0: But it just grew very, very quickly I think because of the type of advice that we give is, is more holistic and around strategy, not, not so much product outcome and I think that's been very popular and just caused um, that, that growth.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we're chatting to successful wealth advisor and property investor, Jolene Sicaria. Join us as we talk about how Sicaria bought her first property at the age of 21, how she went from attending the Defence Force Academy to creating a passive income property investment portfolio and much, much more. Sakaria is a property investor and strategist as well as a wealth advisor.
0: We do have quite a lot on our plate and uh, we sort of manage that across the board um, with our own personal investing and also still running a business and and participating to assist clients with that specialist knowledge too.
1: Not only does she invest in property and advise clients on wealth, she's also a busy mum and tells us a little bit about what motivates her to stay on top of things
0: bit of a team effort and uh, everyone sort of plays a role and you know we reached a point uh, a couple of years ago where we started sort of getting passive income through and you know we uh, were faced with the decision of do we start to wind back and you know sort of semi-retire or I think you know we've really enjoyed not only the property side but also you know we're here out of our own decision to continue to work and, and assist our clients and I think that's why it's so easy because we do have a genuine passion for it and the education side of it is you know, something that really drives me every day to be here and talking to clients and um, providing whatever education that I can so I think that's what helps um, to, to drive that for us and, and get out of bed every day and keep balancing and <laughs> keep working as a team to get through.
1: On any given day, Sakaria not only has to look after her kids, but work as a wealth advisor and property investor.
0: There's personal aspects to life that we juggle every day and help get four kids ready for school, <laughs> you know the usual <laughs> daily struggle that I think we all uh, embark on every morning. Uh, and then, you know, from a work perspective, uh, we then sort of just launch into a process of, of talking with our clients about their current circumstances and you know a lot of our clients are uh, property investors and you know some are not as well but generally they want to make sure that they're getting the best outcome of whatever they're doing and we just work through a process uh, every day of looking at everything from tax to how their loans are structured to capital gains issues and where they're going to ultimately end up uh, at retirement and that is where I spend a, a lot of my time uh, especially at the moment um, and then you know we also as I said we have portfolio ourselves so there is some time spent in uh, in managing some of that we've got a mixture of, of commercial and residential which I'll talk about a bit later but um, there is a little bit bit of time in those in those aspects too and then um, family night like family life at home uh, at night time as well. So, yeah, a little bit of a a busy day but I think we're really lucky, especially in the business. We've been going for over 10 years and our systems and procedures are pretty streamlined with really good staff. So it does make it easy. I'm able to just focus on what I enjoy doing. I don't have to, you know, push paper around or do any of the admin side which is good and um, just all day talking strategy really. So (laughs) I really enjoy that.
1: Growing up on Thursday Island up near the Torres Strait, Sakaria started her career in finance after university.
0: We had many many years of just fishing and water skiing and very relaxing until I went to boarding school in Brisbane in grade 11 and then I realised there's a whole other side to life and um, yeah from that day forward it it certainly had a different focus and a a different type of growing up Um, but yeah I I then went and also spent some time in um, Aspen in Colorado in America uh, and pretty much then went down to Canberra to the Australian Defence Force Academy um, to do my university. And then after that, my career in finance started at the young age of about 20.
1: Sakara cites desire more exposure to the world as the reason for traveling to America and living in Colorado.
0: I just felt a bit adventurous and joined a World Youth Exchange program and and um, went over there for a bit and it was good because I got to learn how to snow ski which was exciting when you've grown up on an island and <laughs> I, uh, I still ski now but I, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm good but it certainly did um, give me those basic skills which was nice. It is an amazing place and I think we've been back to other locations in the states a few times and the kids really enjoy it as you said before like the kids being a priority it's a nice bonding experience that we can all have together and something every. Everyone can get into, so it's been really good to to have that too.
1: She then delves into her education years growing up, her time in the Australian Defence Force Academy, and how she got into finance.
0: I went to um, Thursday Island. Uh, I went to till the end of year nine, and then I actually went to Aspen year ten, then boarding school in Brisbane in year eleven. And then a uh, uh, school on the Sunshine Coast, Matthew Flinders, in um, grade 12. So moved around a bit in high school. But, yeah, up until the end of year nine, we did all our growing up on Thursday Island. So, different. so a scholarship to the Australian Defence Force Academy and I went down there to do economics and I did politics as well, but, you know, I don't advertise that. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, did my degree Um with the Army and went to the Royal Military College at Duntroon and then uh, after I had served some time, um, I then pursued my Master of Commerce in Financial Planning and I really loved that. I really enjoyed it. So I, I had a change and I got out and I started working for ANZ Bank as a junior advisor when I was 20. So been doing that ever since and I'm in my 40s.
1: Sakara shares with us what it's like being the Australian Defence Force Academy. And some of the skills she learned that helped her later on in the field of property investing.
0: There's a lot of discipline and, and not a lot of sleep and I, it's good if you like to be physical, which at that time, you know, I did. Uh, so, it's a good a good all-around physical sort of occupation to be in and um, there's a lot of opportunity if you're an engineer or you want to be a pilot or something like that, you know, you can, you can be very satisfied. Um, from a you know, financial perspective, there's not that much opportunity uh, in terms of where you work in defence unless you want to stay in Canberra, which is not something that I really wanted to do. So, um, yeah, so it it, it can definitely be good but you've got to, you know, be able to take orders and be disciplined and and, uh, that sort of thing. I don't think I could do it now. I think some of those skills that you do learn there, um, they become a, a habit, like a way of life. And you structure your day and you're you know you're disciplined.
1: Moving from Canberra to Townsfield with the Defence Force, Sakarya then went back to the Sunshine Coast.
0: That's where my family were originally from and my grandparents were still here, etc. So I came back here and then I uh, applied for some positions with some banks and I joined ANZ at Maroochydore and um, yeah, then I was able to implement the knowledge that I had attained on my Master of Commerce in financial planning. So yeah, I I was so thrilled to get that opportunity especially at that age with no experience Uh, and yeah, that that was just a great stepping stone for me.
1: Sakaria's first property, despite her not being aware of it at the time, was the perfect choice for a first-time investment and held her in good stead later on.
0: When I started with the ANZ um, at Maroochydore, I worked with them for about 12 months on the Sunshine Coast and then I was offered a promotional um, position in Brisbane. So they offered to promote me to uh, a financial advisor from a junior financial advisor and that was when I was around 21. So I took that uh, offer and I moved to Brisbane and I bought a house uh in east brisbane which is just a couple of k's from the city near the gabba and unbeknownst to me because to be honest i didn't know the quality um of what i was acquiring at that time but i did like the fact that it had two street access because i could bring my car in the front or the back and um i later found out that you know it's an lmr site uh, subdividable under small lot rules, and you know, had all the characteristics that an investor would want in a first property. It was a little bit of convenience and luck that that I had bought that at that time. So I actually paid three hundred and twenty-one thousand dollars for that property, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I think uh, you know that was the first the first property that I acquired, and that was out of you know the fact that I didn't want to be paying rent and I wanted to have my own asset. And uh, just lucky that it met all those characteristics initially because we did go on to um, subdivide that later on and, you know, it sort of formed a platform for us to move forward into other developments, which was exciting.
1: Sakaria and her husband's parents were investors in property, which paved the way for them to purchase and invest in property as they got older.
0: I had seen my parents and my grandparents, my grandparents in particular, they owned um it was it was close to an acre on alexandra headland uh in what they call the golden triangle and over time they sort of subdivided that and and chopped it off and i saw what that had achieved for them in retirement to continue to give them assets and capital and, and passive income and my parents likewise had made some wise property acquisitions that uh, you know put them in a in a sound financial position, so it always i guess the the education um over time just naturally from seeing that you know you've got an inherent um, sort of attitude then that that definitely is a positive outcome and something that is probably important to have uh you know as part of your portfolio to have that security so there was definitely an influence there I wouldn't say my my parents were definitely never prescriptive about anything they always let us do what sort of whatever we would like with some guidance <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then you know my husband um he his family was the same they always bought large acreages in Brisbane and they still own several in really key areas now and sold them on to developers and that sort of thing and they're still doing it now so he had that education as well so when we came together we both had our first house we were both in our early 20s we both owned properties um, that had really key attributes and then from there yeah sort of came together and, and continued that um, together, but we've both had a exposure to it definitely, and in Australia as well. So we kind of vaguely knew the market.
1: Coming up after the break, hear about her journey from working in a bank to owning her own business. Give me advice on property investment.
0: That's not who I am, and, and you know, I'm here to educate and advise, I'm not here to sell.
1: Hear about one of her heart-dropping investing moments?
0: One of the heart-dropping moments that I had when was when we had, um, it was actually that original property, our first subdivision in East Brisbane.
1: All that and more coming up after the break. I'm Tyrone Shump and you're listening to Property Investory. I went from working in the banking sector at ANZ and Suncorp to other roles and eventually became a mother and an owner of business offering advice for property investment.
0: Well, I got promoted, I got offered a senior financial advisor position at the age of, I think I was like 24 or something with Suncorp. Um, and then I moved there for a couple of years. But, uh, you know, as you can imagine in the banking sector, it doesn't take very long to feel a bit disheartened with the style of advice that you know I feel like we were um, pigeonholed to give at that time which is you know, here's some products, go and sell them. I did some Centrelink planning, you know, for age pensioners and that sort of thing, which I found benefit in because I felt like I was helping people to get ahead. But ultimately, the bank developed their own products and said, you've just got to go and sell these. And I said, well, that's that's not who I am. And, and, you know, I'm here to educate and advise. I'm not here to sell. So, uh, yeah, I left. And then, so that was around... um, Mid to late two thousands, and then I had three babies, and then um, I basically opened this business in uh, two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. So uh, yeah, so it was as you say, you know, prioritizing the kids. I was a corporate role before, um, and then I wanted something a bit more flexible. So uh, yeah, we uh, we created the business so that I could manage. New kids and work and have that balance with them um, but it just grew very very quickly I think because of the type of advice that we give is is more holistic and around strategy not not so much product outcome and I think that's been very popular and just caused um, that that growth so it's been a bit of a you know build it and then and then create like hire more staff and try to keep the systems and everything going so that we can keep that balanced. But yeah, that's sort of, I guess, the progression um, from the banks to where we are now.
1: She then tells us about one of her heart-dropping investing moments when she and her husband was told that something couldn't be done on their property.
0: One of of the heart-dropping moments that I had when was when we had, um, it was actually that original property, our first subdivision in East Brisbane. And we had architects do up drawings to submit to council. And we we were getting the house, you know, as you do with those Queenslanders, we were raising the house so that we could build it underneath. And literally while the house was dangling in midair, the um, re-stumping company said, I think your architect has got the pitch of the roof wrong and you're well and truly over the eight and a half metres height limit and, uh, you know, we're going to have to re-stump down to a lower level which won't be legal and you won't be able to build underneath. This is after we had done all the DA, the costs, we paid this guy like 30 grand to re-slab, re-stump, raise the house and, yeah, I like that feeling that, that original drawing had just led to such an accumulation of costs and outcome was just very frustrating. And um, we were very lucky at the time and, and this is where, you know, as I said, my husband, he jumps in with council issues, which I really appreciate, and uh, he manages, you know, that side of it uh, for us as a couple. And um, he jumped in and we'd recently had some floods and East Brisbane is an affected area, although our property was out of the Q100, Um, he jumped in and went to council and said, well, you know, there is some relaxation with the flood zone areas and we're outside of that but still in the same suburb and uh, fortunately they relaxed the height limit. So we were able to, we took a gamble. We said to the, the guy who was raising the house, we said just stump it at legal height. Um, and we're just going to have to go back in and battle. And um, fortunately, fortunately that they did relax it, and we were able to keep it at legal height. And um, lucky we made that decision because, yeah, otherwise we would have had to get them to go and you know lift it up again. So I think <laughs> that was probably one of the one of the most frustrating points.
1: The property she just detailed was a first property, and her reason for restumping it was to build a two bedroom unit underneath the property. And use it as an investment.
0: And Matt had a property out at Mount Kapalabar Road, which was was sort of that had the potential to be rezoned. So someone was willing to offer a lot of money. So he sold that. So we had our first house in East Brisbane paid off when we were about twenty two. And, um, yeah, as a couple. And then we said, well, look, we can, we can now subdivide this under the small lot rules because it's that two, it was the two-street access LMR site that I'd acquired as a principal place of residence. So we said we can subdivide it under the small lot rules and we can get some capital gains tax relief because half of it is our principal place of residence. So um, we were going to retain, we were basically building a house in the backyard, we were going to retain one as an investment continue to live in the other one uh, and that that was our plan. So we went to council and then the one that we were living in, we wanted to raise and build in underneath um, to have a two-bedroom unit underneath for passive income as well because it's just the two of us, you know, and we're early 20s. So, it, you know, we, we said, why not? Let's just maximise the income that we get out of here um, and, you know, maximise our opportunity. So we did a DA subdivision. Um, two lot, uh, two houses, multi-unit development. We we ended up submitting, and then so with the existing house that was a 1910 Queenslander, so uh, we wanted to raise that, and that's why the restumping guys were there. So they were there to increase it to legal height under, um, so we could build our two-bedroom unit underneath for the passive income.
1: For those of us unaware of restumping practices for properties in Queensland. Sakaria gives us some insight into how it works.
0: I can't remember what it is, uh, what it was at the time for legal height under. I think well, it's like 1.7, isn't it? 1.7. It's got to be. So, so the whole, the, it took the house. It took the peak of the house up to 8.5, which was the legal um, height limit for the street for the front of the house. But because the architect had the pitch wrong, the pitch of the house. Actually, the peak of the house actually was eight point, so 8.8. So when the bottom was legal height, the top of the roof was, was too high for legal height limit for the street.
1: This type of change would allow them to add additional income on the property though it would have to be done professionally to ensure it meets certain standards.
0: In Queensland, uh, in Brisbane, a lot of their houses are Queenslanders and Queenslanders are naturally stumped. So most Queenslanders are actually on stumps already and and I think that's why it's easy. They you know, they just come in sort of like with a massive type of forklift scenario, they just lift the house up and then they just restump stump it and they slab it. So you, you need to have the height of the, the bottom level at a certain height limit, which I think is 1.7, but I have to go and double-check. It was a while ago, that one, um, it, to be able to legally build it in underneath. So sometimes in queens or like in Queensland, I'm sure everywhere, you have some, you know, areas under the houses where people live. But if they're not a legal height limit, they can't be approved. they're not approved unless they're at a certain height and then when people are buying the property you know that comes up on the building search and they say well that's not legal height and people say well I I might have to remove that you know the council could come and tell me to remove it so I'm not paying you extra for the two-bedroom unit underneath because it's not even legal.
1: There's so many little intricacies I didn't realize it's fascinating and obviously you came out successful at the end of it
0: once we had developed that eventually you know we kept it for a while and then um we found some other projects that we wanted to sink our money into and we moved back to the Sunshine Coast so we no longer needed that principal place of residence um and and yeah then we we went and did a development at and Hills and Matt might talk more about that in his session um he pretty much did that himself and then we acquired a a block of so Matt and I have always been the type of people where we'll sacrifice where we live to make money <laughs> so we um we had four kids and we moved back to the Sunshine Coast and we bought a building that had two three-bedroom units in it and we li- we lived in one of the three-bedroom units um and rented the other one out so we had passive income And then we built in a a big four-bedroom unit underneath for even more passive income. So we were living for free, obviously, um, in that property because of all the rent that we had coming in and and we felt it was better to go and you know, do that development then keep our money at, at East Brisbane at that time. So, yeah, we, we, we liquidated and moved on. One thing we've always said is, you know, don't get sentimentally attached to the properties. You know, it's a numbers game and whatever gives us the best result over time is, is what we want to do.
1: So, inspired by her story, we will continue the conversation with Jolene Sicaria in a future episode of Property Invest Story where we'll learn more about her strategies for investment.
0: What we're currently doing with the properties is we've got the, um, so we've got a commercial property that's rented out and that's got a, a very good yield based on what we paid for it and we've got the units that are rented out.
1: The reason why she started this journey?
0: So at the moment, most of our calculations and why we're doing that is is around trying to get more and more passive income.
1: So in the daily habits, they keep her on track?
0: And I think Doing that every single day just means that things don't accumulate. You know, people's expectations are met and that you stay on top of things as well.
1: All this and much more on a future episode of Property Investory.